Welcome to the Dream to Destination podcast. Around here, we believe that solo travel is the ultimate freedom. It is also one of the quickest paths to empowerment and personal growth. Have you been dreaming about it, but unsure if you have the confidence to travel solo? Well, I'm here to tell you that you most certainly do. How do I know? Easy. Because if I do, and millions of other women do, then so do you. Hi, I'm Shelly of TravelMexicoSolo.com. Join me here on this podcast each Monday to learn the tried and true tips, tricks, and mindset hacks that I used while traveling solo in Mexico for over two years. You'll also hear stories from other solo female travelers on how they transcended their fears and anxieties to step into their confidence and explore the world solo. So if you're ready to turn your dream of solo travel into your destination, then this podcast was made for you. Now let's dive in. Hi, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I am so excited to be talking to my guest this week, who I found online and then just kind of stalked her Instagram and then her TikTok, because her content is actually really, really funny. And I love a funny, intelligent, articulate lady, and that is exactly who my guest is. And her name is Na'a Day, and her blog has the best name ever, The Pursuit of Flyness, which is obviously a pun on flying and super clever. So Na'a Day says she works to travel, meaning that the majority of her engineering salary is used to fund her worldly travel pursuits, and the rest goes to health insurance because hashtag America, and buying sneakers because sneakerheads are people too. And she says she loves to travel because she truly enjoys experiencing new cultures and that there is also just so much beauty on earth that we don't get to see from our TV, phone, laptops. And the only way to really know what the world is like is to get out there and see it for yourself. So she is on a personal mission to do just that. And we're going to talk about one of those places today. So welcome, Nadia. Thank you for being here on my podcast. Hi, what's good, everybody? Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited. So today we are talking about Cancun, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And Cancun is actually a place that in full disclosure, I have never really been. I went for one night and I used their airport, which is a nice airport, but that's kind of my two cents about Cancun. So that's why I had to have Nade here to talk about her experience in Cancun. So not a day. How did you feel about Cancun? Well, I know <laughs> this be a little shocking coming from a travel blogger, but I really hated Cancun. <laughs> um, I know that's not what a lot of people were expecting to hear. Um, and of course, I'm not commenting on anybody else's experience because, you know, some people may have gone and really enjoyed it. But for me, it wasn't the the type of experience that I was looking for. And I felt like I didn't really get to 
be in touch with Mexico or with the, the local culture. So I didn't really enjoy my time there too much. All right, so who is Cancun for? Yeah, so I think that Cancun is like made for American tourists. I think that so much of the culture is dependent on visitors and people coming in that they've made everything there more palatable for Americans. So I kind of feel like I don't want, I wouldn't call America 2.0 because that's rude. And it's, and it's not like that, but imagine like if you just took like a tourist city, put it in Mexico and then dropped a bunch of American shit in there and then a little bit of Mexican shit. And then that's what you have. Like, it's kind of this, I think, hosh posh of things to do where you can get a little bit of culture if you want. But for the most part, it's really a resort town, which is something that I didn't know before I went. So I think that's why there's so much appeal to it, especially for travelers coming from the U.S. because it's quick and easy to get to. And then you can be in another country, but also just sort of escape and enjoy, you know, being on a beach and being in a resort and being in the Caribbean technically because Cancun is in the Caribbean. So I feel like it's, it's for people who want to get away and say that they've been to Mexico, but aren't really going to Mexico, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes like total sense. And I love just like to word for word, just read what you wrote in the very first sentence of your blog. Cause I want it to be like super clear as we get more into this podcast, but you wrote, I did not enjoy Cancun before y'all come for me. I am writing this to express my experience. Notice how I did not say that Cancun was trash or y'all are dumb for liking Cancun. And we're not doing that now. It's more of like, yeah, it's your experience. It's one person's experience. It's not even like a general consensus of Cancun, but also like, just so you know, whenever you're kind of asking for someone's opinion of a city or a place, you know, you're getting their opinion and they're, they're not speaking for the world and we're not doing that either. But yeah, I, I don't know if a lot of people know exactly how not Mexican Cancun seems to be at least from what I hear from so many people. So for me, I wanted to do this podcast, like, because there are people who would love Cancun, but there are a lot of people I think who are going to have your kind of experience of like, um, well, (laughs) like, I feel like you could have just went to Miami from, (laughs) you could have saved yourself the time in like the customs and immigration line and you, (laughs) you could have went to Miami. (laughs) Yeah. That, or I, you know, once I told a bunch of my friends that I didn't enjoy it, they're like, oh, you should have gone to Tulum or Playa del Carmen, which are, you know, only a couple hours drive from Cancun or even CDMX, so Mexico City, I hear it has a lot more culture. Um, so I'm definitely willing to go back to Mexico to explore more, but I feel like if you're, it, it all depends on the kind of experience that you're looking for. And if you really do want to see local culture and sort of immerse yourself more into what things are like in a different country that I don't think Cancun is the best place to do it. Um, But if you're going to relax and be on nice beaches and like have a lot of things catered to you, especially because you're an American, then perhaps Cancun may be the destination for you. I I can't say that I like doing that, but I'm not judging anybody who does. Yeah, I have never done a trip like that. I have like a young niece and nephew, like four and seven and I have done some some of those family kind of trips now. We did like a week in Disney, which was 
not my style, but like, I understand, like if I had kids, I'd probably take them to Cancun. <laughs> yeah, because um, it, when you're on a resort, like everything is simple. Like if, if you're with kids, like they have their own thing that they can do, like they can, you can just set them up with activities and you know that they'll be safe and you can do your own thing. And also being on a resort, like that's, I think that's one of the reasons why people like going to resorts is because all the activities and amenities that you need are there. So your yeah. meals are included, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They can set up excursions for you if you want to leave. Like it, in some I, ideas or in some ways, it is kind of like a mini paradise. So you, you figure out what you want to do and you just, you're lazy and you do it and then you go home. Yeah. All right. So now that that's out of the way that we are not actually saying bad things about Cancun, we are yeah. rather clarifying <laughs> for people that are maybe like on the fence about traveling there. We're just trying to be like, you know, it's for a certain kind of traveler, mm -hmm, I guess sure. is the bottom line. And you and me, I feel like are not the ideal <laughs> Cancun traveler. So when did you visit? So I went in February and it was my last trip before Corona hit the U.S. Um, and by before Corona hit the U.S., I mean more like before Americans really started caring. Because at that time, it was like, in everybody's mind, they're like, oh, Corona, that's China's problem, which wasn't very sensitive. And they're like, oh, that's, I'm young, only old people have to worry about it or I'm not going anywhere, right? So like people just had all these misconceptions about what the coronavirus was and how quickly it could spread. So when I was in the airport, I mean, you couldn't even tell that there was a pandemic going on in the world because no one, at that time, masks weren't really recommended or even required. Um, and so people were just like living in ignorant bliss. And so I didn't know at the time that it was going to be my last trip or that the rest of my trips for the year would get canceled. But I went in like the February, March timeframe. Um, so it was still cold over here in the US and it was pretty hot in Cancun. So I, I was excited to just like get away from the cold and go to the hot weather. So it was, it was pretty nice. So that was February, 2020 and now we're in mid-July 2020. It was like, God, it seemed like a different world. Just, what is that, like five months ago now? If you were there February, March. Yeah. Like five I mean, months ago, like the world, <laughs> like it was a different place. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was. And I'm like thinking back to that time, like, man, I really wish I would have <laughs> just taken better advantage of the time or maybe oh. even plan to have gone somewhere else, but it, it is what it is. We all do. <laughs> we all would have done a lot of things different. Yeah. Uh, had we have known. Okay, so, oh, you went to celebrate your friend's birthday? That was why yeah. you were there? Yeah, so fun fact, my friend is actually a leap year baby. And so this year, 2020, aside from like all the shit that's going on, it was also a leap year, if y'all can remember. And so she was really intent on celebrating her birthday on her actual birthday, since it only comes around once every four years. Um, so I like to joke and say that like we were going for her seventh birthday because it's like oh. she's 28, I think, 28? Yeah, so it was the seventh time she gets to celebrate, but she's actually not seven. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we went, we were all very excited and I feel like, um, I mean, and, and just to like 
stress this point. I didn't go into Cancun or go into Mexico with a, a negative mind frame or like not wanting to like it. I did want to like it because I was going for my friend's birthday. So it was going to be, we were, you know, we we're planning to turn up and, and have a good time, which we did. But I think that one of the mistakes that I made was that I opted not to stay in a resort while my friends did go, while they, while they all chose to do that. Um, and it was fine. We still hung out every day, but, um, I think that, that would probably be my one piece of advice for travelers who are considering Cancun. Like I know it's expensive, but maybe consider staying in a resort if that's the kind of, if that this is where you want to go and that's the kind of location that you're like interested in visiting. Yeah. So tell me about the, the zona hotelera, which means the hotel zone and it's where, so there's downtown Cancun and then there's the Zona Hotelera on the beach. So you stayed on the beach. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Cancun is that they had this like really tiny strip of land that um, they've put all the nice hotels and resorts on. And so it's convenient because when you're traveling, like it's a two lane road and the strip is tiny. So you can't really get lost. You're either going north or south. But in the hotel zone, that's where most of the main resorts are. And there's kind of like a central location where the restaurants are, like where there's senior frogs and like some larger chains. And then there's resorts and hotels around that. But the further you go away from the hotel zone, I would say the larger the resorts become because they start to have golf courses and more amenities. But when you're closer to the, to the pop-in area of the hotel zone you have pretty much resorts on one side and hotels on the other and so the resorts all like border the beaches and the hotels don't have beachfronts but they're still relatively large like there's marriott's there's hilton's there's all the, the chains that you would normally see and so i think the hotel zone that's where most people tend to stay because you're within walking distance or you can take the bus and be around everything um but I would say it is also the most touristy part of the the city. So I mentioned I, I slept in Cancun one night. I had a very early flight out of the Cancun airport. So I was living in Tulum at the time and I went back just to stay for the night in Cancun so I could make my 6 a.m. flight. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in downtown and I really like no one should stay there. I mean, if you're coming to have, you're just going to be like, you might save money up front with, you know, the cost of your, your um, Airbnb or your whatever, but you're going to be cabbing it in to the beach every day. And then you're going to probably have to pay for day passes. And, you know, it's like, you really just should not stay in downtown if you, if you can avoid that. Um, I think you're not going to, you're definitely going <laughs> to get less out of your Cancun experience by doing that. So from what I know, like nobody really stays in downtown. Everyone stays on the, on the hotel, in the Zona Hotelera where you stayed. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about the downtown area too. Yeah, I agree, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay there either. Not because there's just not much going on. Yeah. Um, like there's a couple of local markets down there and definitely, I, I mean, local, I use that word kind of like, I'm not tossing it out. It's local, but it's not really local. So there's some places where the food is cheaper and there's some artisan markets down there. But for the most part, I would say your best bet is to stay in the hotel zone. If you're looking to, to like travel on a budget, Airbnbs are definitely a good option. And there's quite a few hostels out there too. But I think that you are still going to miss out 
reflect on the Cancun experience if you're not staying in a resort. Because one thing that I'm learning about resort towns is that because all of the amenities are on the resort, like that, they're drive, everyone's driving you to kind of be on a resort and do everything that's there. So your resort comes with its own entertainment, its own pools, its own beaches. It's kind of set up to, so where you would never want to leave. And so yeah. because of that, the city itself, like Cancun itself, doesn't really have that many tourist attractions. Like, yeah, you can take a bus and do an excursion to Chichen Itza or to East Lumiere. Like, you can go out to go get the culture and even go, like, to downtown Cancun if you like. But if you're staying in the hotel zone, like, all the activities that you want to do are going to be on somebody's resort. So I would just keep that in mind as you're looking into your accommodations. I'm so glad you mentioned Isla Mujeres. I kind of forgot about it for a second, but it's a little island. I guess that would be to the east of Cancun. And you take a ferry and it's it's named Island of Women because it used to be where all, like the whole island was like women healers and doctors and like back in the day. So people would go, there. it was like a hospital almost. So like people would go from the mainland to the island when they were sick and then return to the mainland when, when they were well. And now it's, I mean, you know, a lot of people live there. It's semi to medium level touristy now. It's such a cute little island. There's all these like colorfully painted houses. I mean, it's a really nice getaway from Cancun that you can do for, it's probably the closest like maybe quote unquote day trip that you can do out of Cancun. I know Chichen Itza is pretty far. I think it's like about three hours. Yeah, yeah. So I did both when I was there. And I agree, Isla Mujeres is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I want to and you can leave right from the hotel zone, like the ferries, there's quite a few points, uh, ferry points or ferry stops. And the you're going to end up waiting longer in line to get on the ferry than you will actually spend on the ferry itself to get over there. I feel like the ferry was somewhere between 20 to 45 minutes, if that it wasn't very long. And they leave pretty routinely, like once or twice every hour. Um, but yeah, over there, the island is super small. Like it's probably only a few miles. Um, so there's not that many cars. Most people rent a golf cart or a moped or a scooter. So that's what I did. I rented a, a golf cart. And so like, I'm not gonna lie. I liked that quite a bit because <laughs> it just seems really cool to, to ride a golf cart around an island. But yeah, it's pretty. They have some great restaurants over there. And there are times when like, the, the, they have these party yachts that'll come and dock on some of the areas so that like the people on the party yacht can get off and explore the island. But I definitely recommend seeing Isla Mujeres because the, the pace is a little bit slower than Cancun. And so even though there's people like who are trying to get you to buy things, for the most part, I felt like I was left alone. Like I, I could have just explored the island. And so they have this turtle conservatory where you can like go feed sea turtles. They have, um, I wanna say they have this like Maya museum over there, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't do that when I was there, but um, it, it it's definitely a nice way to spend a day if you're trying to get out of the the party lifestyle that is Cancun. Um, cool. What about Chichen Itza? Yeah, so Chichen Itza, boy, that's a, yeah, so it's, I, I think you're right. It's like a two to three hour drive. And so Chichen Itza is also fun, but I just remember when I went, it was hot as hell. I had a great time, but it was just so hot outside. So I would recommend going perhaps when it's not as hot, but 
at this point in the trip, I was by myself because my friends had already left. So I ended up booking a, a day tour with a group just so that I wouldn't have to coordinate all the details on my own. So I wouldn't have to like, so I felt like there was some accountability because I was with other tourists. And so the day trip, I mean, it was like a 12 to 15 hour day. So pretty intense, but we were able to go to Chichen Itza. Then we also stopped at a cenote, uh, which is like, I mean, you can probably describe it better than I can, but they're like these, I wouldn't say pool, but like they're these native reserves, native waters where that are meant to be more healing, I think. So um, we went to one of those. We also visited a traditional Maya or Mayan town. Um, I think that's it. But Chichen Itza, it's a quite beautiful to see. Um, there's definitely thousands of tourists there whenever you go, but there is no shade. So make sure you bring lots of water. And when you go, you end up actually, I think you end up going to the Yucatan, you go to another peninsula within, or yeah, I think you end up going to the Yucatan, but you're, you change time zones from Cancun. So that's just like a little fun fact. Um, so don't get caught up. Don't like miss your bus because you're on the wrong time zone. But I really liked visiting Chichen Itza um, just because there was so much history and there's so much symbolism. I mean, just in everything, in the entire way that the Mayas designed Chichen Itza and built it. And so getting to learn that history, getting to see the, the level of effort and care that they put into, into it was really great to see. So I, I'd recommend going if you get the chance. That's probably about the only cultural thing that you'll get out of your trip to Cancun. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, so Cancun is actually in the state of Quintana Roo. And then the next door state that you're talking about is Yucatan State. Okay, gotcha. So the whole peninsula is the Yucatan Peninsula, but there's actually a Yucatan State. And then the Quintana Roo State is uh, where Cancun and Playa del Carmen, Tulum, etc. So that's why, that's when you, I guess, when you cross time zones. But a lot of the... A lot of the pyramids, the archaeological sites, um, a lot of that stuff is in Yucatan State. So that's probably why they're not offering too many cultural type tours because it's quite far, obviously. And, um, and uh, you know, Chichen Itza is one of the wonders of the world. So uh, I, I did go once. Uh, I've been to, I want to say, 10 or so archaeological sites. I've been to pretty much all the really big ones in Mexico by now. And I always tell people not to go to Chichen Itza because (laughs) this episode is all about what not to do in Mexico. Uh, I mean, but it's like, I never win this fight. I cannot talk people out of going to Chichen Itza. It's like, has the name recognition. It's a wonder of the world, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, it's the only one where you can't climb the pyramids. That's right, yeah. So that's the one reason I'm like, don't you like, but it's also just so crowded. (laughs) It is crowded because I think they used to let you climb it, but then someone got hurt or someone fucked it up for all of us, basically. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. From what I heard, um, when I did go, it was with a group of friends who were visiting from South Florida, and we hired a guide for the day, and he told us that there was one year, I want to say five five years ago, six years ago now, where two people, like, within, 
I don't know how many months, like two people actually died falling down the pyramids and then they closed them. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, and it makes sense. Cause it's like, they're pretty steep. So you have to be of sound of mind to do it. And I can only imagine, cause there's so many people who go there. Yeah. I can only imagine what it would be like if there's like thousands of people trying to climb up and someone's, you know, so it's just like, not, it's not something that for, for the faint at heart, but I think that celebrities like if you want to pay money if you have a lot of money i'm sure you could pay to climb it (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah most people can't do it and there are that's the other i do agree with you there's quite a a large number of people who are there when you're there so it's pretty hard to get like a picture with nobody in it you have to be really patient so yeah there's actually a ton of mayan ruins all throughout the yucatan peninsula Mm -hmm. they actually just i want to say six months ago or so i should google this but they they just found another entire Mayan city, like in the jungle. So, so what happens is like the trees will overgrow these cities because they've been abandoned for so long. So I don't really know how someone finds them. I, in my head, they're just like walking through the jungle for some reason I don't know either. And they just stumble upon a Mayan city. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they're found, but one was recently, was recently found. And like you mentioned, um, actually why it's so hot is because these are all very studied zones like archaeologic archaeologists come from all over the world to study these mayan sites so they wipe out all the trees so yep. that's why they're so hot because they've taken away the trees that kept you cool and now there's no shade so it's not just chichen itza that's like every archaeological site in mexico because they're so heavily studied and you know i guess they have to remove all the trees to do that but yeah. yeah, there's other sites in the Yucatan that are, like, there There are hardly any people at them. There's um, another one called Ushmal, which is actually a UNESCO heritage site. And can, uh, what is the name of the one I, we were just talking about that I just forgot? Uh, Chichen Itza. <laughs> Chichen Itza is actually not a, a UNESCO heritage site, and UNESCO is like a pretty prestigious designation to get. So there's another one, you know, not even that far from Chichen Itza that you can go to that's going to have no people that you can climb that even has like higher historic significance. And, you know, but again, I can't ever talk, I've never successfully talked anyone out of not visiting Chichen Itza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's too late for me, but I would be, I'm, I'm taking these notes. Like, I'm definitely looking into Ushma. And then Tulum, was that recently discovered as well? I feel like I heard that somewhere. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like not, not everybody knew about Tulum until of late. The ruins or the, or the, the whole city? I want to say the ruins. I don't know. I visited them. They're right on the beach, which is super cool and beautiful. Um, I don't know. I don't remember when they were discovered. I didn't do like an actual tour. Those tours are important <laughs> because otherwise you're kind of looking at rocks. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, basically. And you're like, I should, I should appreciate this so much more, but it's hot outside and I have no clue what I'm looking at. Yeah. So that was one I did not actually do the tour at. So that's why I don't know when they were discovered. But um, yeah, but those are, those are cool too. They're right on the beach. So that's like an extra added awesomeness. But you could even go to those instead of Chichen Itza um, from Cancun. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure most of the organized tours are going to take you to Chichen Itza, probably a cenote, like you said. It's cute that they took you to a Mayan town. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had the teeniest bit of culture, but you had to kind of put yourself out there to get it. 
Yeah. And because like I travel frequently, I'm, I'm okay with doing that. And once I really understood the purpose of Cancun, I kind of like, you know, just owned it and, and tried to do my own thing because when I, I, I did very little planning before this trip, which is something I don't recommend. Like I didn't, I didn't do any research. I got some advice from, from some friends who went previously, but I was lazy about it. I was just like, let me just pick this hotel because I know this chain. Like it was even at the point where I didn't arrange any transportation from the airport to the hotel. And so I was, I just assumed that I could get an Uber, but apparently like the taxi drivers of Cancun are in a really, you know, big fight with Uber drivers. And so like, it's impossible to get an Uber in Cancun or to the wise. So like, I, I thought I was just gonna hop out of the airport and catch an Uber, but I couldn't. So I ended up spent spending so much more money on a shuttle to get from the airport to the hotel. And then I realized that I could have just taken the bus for like one sixtieth of the cost. <laughs> like, so, always do your research before you go places. Um, luckily, I was able to book all of my excursions like the day before the day of, which you can do. I mean, you end up paying a little bit more sometimes, but like, because I didn't do any research, I didn't have a choice. Uh, I, I was able to book the Chichen Itza stuff right from my hotel. But I think that's the trap that you fall into. Like when you don't do your research, you end up going to the places where everybody goes because that's what they're, they're advertising. And like, I didn't have a chance. I was kind of packed on my trip so I didn't have a chance to go to Tulum even though I wanted to sadly but um I didn't even know about Ushmal so like had I done some research I could have gone there instead so I'm definitely saving that tip for the next time live and learn that's that's what we do yeah so there's a couple of more actually pro tips in your blog and the first one since we're doing pro tips um you say if you ever want to try out a resort for the day without staying there, buy a day pass, which is such a good tip. But tell me about tell me about the day passes. Yeah, so day passes are pretty dope because if you feel like you you know you want to try a resort out but you don't want to spend all the money, you can go and pretty much get access to all that the resort has to offer without paying for the nightly price. So one thing I found out when I was in Cancun that well for the most part resorts end up being like 200 to 300 dollars a night because they're all inclusive so you can get as much alcohol you can eat as much food as you want so you can do everything um you can do everything all for that nightly price but i did learn that um the reason why the price is so inflated like right like that's expensive like two to three hundred dollars a night for me is expensive i don't know maybe not for everybody but for me i'm like i can't do this for a multi-night trip whereas a hotel could probably be in the 100 to 200 dollar range and an airbnb airbnb or a hospital would definitely you could get that for less than a hundred dollars a night and so with the resort the reason why the price is so inflated is because they charge you like a hundred dollars a night for alcohol or, or something ridiculous like that like mo that's just how resorts work and so i I can never justify staying at a resort because I don't eat that much. I don't drink that much. I'm not going to get my money's worth. Like I'm never going to drink a hundred dollars worth of alcohol in a night. So I'm just like, let me just do better and stay where I, where that's affordable for me. And so with a day pass, I think a day pass ends up being like a hundred dollars a day. And so for 
anywhere from like 12 to 20 hours, you can be on the resort and you can live your life like you are a resident of the resort. So you get access to everything and you pretty much, you just go up to the resort and you can book it that day. Um, there might be a couple of pools or things that are not um, at your disposal, but they'll basically, you get to the resort, they ask for your driver's license and obviously for your credit card to pay. And then in exchange for that, they'll give you a wristband that denotes you as like a day pass visitor. And so once you're done, you can, um, you go back to the front desk, they'll cut the wristband and they'll give you your driver's license back. So there is some sort of accountability for it. Um, and I have tried to sneak into a resort before. I mean, that's an alternative. I, I wasn't successful in Cancun because the security guards are vigilant. Like, obviously they're trying to protect the money, protect the resort. So before you even, like, as you're walking up to the resort, um, oh, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention was that everybody on the resort gets a wristband. And so, like, everybody who's actually staying there will get a colored wristband. And then day visitors or people with a visitor pass will get a different color. And so as you're entering the resort from the street, if you don't have a wristband on, the security guards are going to come look like they're going to stop you and try to get your name, try to get your info. And if you're not a resident there, they'll take you to the front desk so you can then buy a day pass. Um, so it, it's hard to finesse your way into one. Um, it's possible, but I wasn't successful. But I think that it was ended up being good for me because like I said earlier, my friends were all staying on a resort. So I wanted to be able to spend time with them. So I just went, did the day pass. We did everything that we wanted to do. And I got that the resort experience I did it enough to realize that I was glad that I didn't stay in one because I wouldn't have like been able to get my money's worth but it was an interesting experience to say the least yeah I feel like that's why I've never really done an all-inclusive because like you said well I don't really drink so you know I'm paying for everyone else's drinks <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is I would never do that on a normal vacation like I would never go and buy out the bar so why would I do that at a resort yeah and also like I'm such a food kind of a person like the food of the country is is such a part of the soul especially in Mexico so you know I'm trying to really eat a lot more off resort so yeah I've never personally done an all-inclusive um and yeah, like I'm only going to be on a banana boat like once and I'm not going to be happy about it. like someone has made me do this. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not excited for this either. <laughs> All right. So tell me about Cancun and a little further, like your lack of connection with Mexican culture, which by the way, Mexican culture is like profound. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> so to be somewhere with no connection is, I have to hear about this because I feel like that's hard to accomplish. Yeah, and so I feel like <laughs> I, I just got there and I was underwhelmed. And and like I said earlier, I kind of felt like the Cancun, like the city was just, or the hotel zone specifically, it was made to be so palatable for Americans. Like it was made so that Americans can come in and be like, ah, I understand this. And so that I didn't care for because when I travel, I want to see the way the people live. I want to see what you're doing. Like, yes, of course, I'll go to the, the major tourist attractions, but I, I want to immerse myself in the culture. Um, and so I didn't get the opportunity to do that in Cancun. And I think that's partially because when you go to tourist towns, there's like this 
I don't even know if I would call it a symbiotic relationship, but there is a relationship between the tourists and the tour guides or like the people who are in the tourism industry, right? So they, they make their, their wages and their cost of living off of you. And so you being the tourist, you kind of go in knowing that, Hey, I'm going to pay a little bit more for everything because that's just the way it is. There's so many people here. So they're going to charge me a little bit more than what I would get if I were like doing things locally. But I feel like with Cancun, and that's like, I get, I understand that that's what happens in most tourist locations, but for Cancun, it was so extreme. Like, I felt like it was a scammer's delight because everything they do, everything there is so taxed. Like, you come out, you're in the hotel zone, and people are trying to get your attention so that they can pitch you to go on an excursion at a really expensive price. Like, to the point where it's almost nauseating, where they're like, hey, come do this. Hey, come check out our timeshare meeting so we could try to pitch you for a timeshare. Hey, come to my little building so I can do your nails and then try to show you where this market is and then you can pay me all this. And it just felt like there was a lot of pressure on me as a tourist to just like come and spend all of my money. And like I said, again, I do understand that that relationship exists. I just don't like it. Um, yeah. I guess that further just like, gets back to the point of like this is really a town to just come and like go to your resort and then be there yeah <laughs> like nobody's gonna bother you there they're not coming into the resort to really sell you the timeshare I think the resort would not be having that yeah and and that's the thing I feel like because everyone was so because like people come in with this idea of what Cancun is supposed to be like everyone is so focused on selling you the idea of Cancun as opposed to actually showing you what Cancun is right like they want to sell you a ticket to a party so you can like get the movie Cancun experience or get that spring break experience but like that's not Cancun that's just you trying to pitch me something yeah um, and so I was kind of disappointed in this idea of like just being sold on something instead of actually getting to see the authentic experience. Well, I mean, I guess that, yeah, you know, like this town was built up because these are, these are stunning, stunning beaches. I mean, I guess just most beaches of the Caribbean fall into the stunning beach category. I mean, outside of like the Maldives, you know, and like the Southern Pacific islands, like Fiji and stuff like, these are some of the most famous beaches in the world. Um, and, you know, it got built up around that and then people started coming with money and then, yeah, like this possibly symbiotic relationship, like you mentioned, starts developing. And, and this state of Quintana Roo where, where Cancun is, is, I mean, they have pretty much a hundred percent a tourism economy. Mm -hmm. Like even right now, I mean, we're like in July, uh, July 24th, 2020 and you know we're still like in pandemic but that state has reopened in Mexico where like the rest of Mexico is not reopened like my state which is just next door Yucatan state like we still have mandatory masks I get my temperature checked if I go to the grocery store um like I can't even go in an uber with another passenger it's one passenger per uber there's all kinds of measures in place and this state has reopened and I mean it's next door to my state it's not yeah it's crazy I mean and I know quite a few people who have gone to Mexico because it's one of like the few places that is open to tourists right now and I would just say that 
I don't recommend doing that. I mean, again, not judging anybody for their choices, but just because a place is open does not mean that they're prepared to be open. Like right now, businesses are prioritizing profit and not your health. So just be aware of that when you travel. And I think like what you're saying, this state like Quintana Roo is a perfect example of that because they are a tourism based industry or a tourism based economy. Like they need people there. Whether or not you die of corona in the process is kind of irrelevant to them, but they need your money. So um, I think that really, you know, highlights the kind of experience that I had, even though I went before corona, but where it was just like money is like money speaks volumes there. And that's, you know, being demonstrated even during the pandemic as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I guess if you're for when like things are safe again, this town is perfect for you to go lay on a beach, for you to go lay on a beautiful beach, going in knowing that your, you know, things are gonna be on the pricier side. Like at, on your blog, I'm looking at a plate of food that's like a medium amount of food. And it's like, you're like, oh, this was my $15 meal. Like I eat for $2 a day in Mexico, so. <laughs> I'm looking at this thinking it's pricey, but I guess for for Americans, like that's not an expensive expensive meal. But yeah, you can do you can do Mexico for much cheaper. And then yeah, I know I was pretty upset because a lot of my <laughs> friends were like, when you go to Mexico, you get like two dollar bomb two dollar meals, and I was like, I did not find that in Cancun. I mean, no. I found something sim like similar in the local, like in the downtown area, but even still, it was inflated. Yeah, so tell me about your little, you had an excursion, I guess, to the to downtown. Yeah, so my friend was really um, eager to like get downtown, like she really wanted to go to the local market. And so we took the bus. And so another pro tip, I highly recommend taking the bus in Cancun because it's like a peso. I think the exchange rate, I don't know, is it like 19? I, I actually don't know what it is. I'm not even going to say a number. because it's like 20. It's, it's pretty high okay. right now, but it's like 22 and a half. But that's really high. But one peso is like, I don't know, a quarter, let's say. Yeah. So like that's, you know, you know, extremely cheap. Whereas if you take a taxi, it is $10 a mile. So, and the hotel zone isn't longer than three miles. So like, you're going to get there in the same amount of time as it would take you on the bus versus a taxi. Like you're not going to, taking a taxi doesn't really save you much, except maybe peace of mind if you prefer to be in a taxi, but I would avoid it. Um, But basically I bring that up because we took the bus and there's only really two bus routes in the hotel zone. And so we took the one that took us like, close as close to the market as possible and when we went um we were just trying to get like you know touristy souvenirs just like local stuff um and it was nice i mean even though i felt like the downtown was still not true culture it was a lot different it was a nice escape from the hotel zone and so they're like the artisans they sell you a lot of little trinkets some stuff that's like also made for Americans, but also just things that are cool and native and local to Cancun. So that was interesting. But then of course, like I said earlier, it's still like a place where they try to hawk and like get at you. So like, just like with a lot of local markets, you have people who come out of the woodworks and they're like, here, come buy this, here, come into my shop. 
So we ended up following one guy who invited us into his storefront. I don't know if he was the owner or if he was like a hoster or a hostess, but he, he's, you know, the person who stands out on the street and gets your attention and like tries to get you into his shop so that you don't go into other places. And so my friends, I didn't buy anything because like I flew spirit. So I just did not have the space to take anything back. But um, they bought stuff. And so we ended up spending a decent amount of time in their store. And so because we did that, he ended up being nice enough to take us into like the cut, like into the, the actual back end of these markets to show us some some food. And so, of course, when, you know, folks do this, that you always I mean, it's you should feel compelled to tell them, but it's always like, even if you don't, they're going to ask you to tip them. It's one of those relationships where it's like, yeah, I know I should spend my money here because you, you know, you, you've been generous enough to show me around, but then also at the same time, like he wasn't going to do it for free anyways. So not speaking ill on him or anyone else, but, and I just find myself in a lot of those situations as a tourist where like people are kind, but then you go to some places and they like, they expect you to tip them, even though they're, they'll be kind regardless. So just make sure you're aware of that. <laughs> Uh, but he ended up taking us to this little, this spot where it was like way behind everything. I, I couldn't even get there again if I tried. So it's one of the places that locals only know about. Um, but he basically showed us like this local eatery. And so it was amazing. Like there weren't that many tourists there. And while we were there, the locals were kind of like looking at us strange because I, I don't think they wanted us to be there. I don't, I think it's one of those hidden gems where they don't want it to be touched by tourists just yet. But when I tell you it was amazing, like I had the best guacamole that I've ever had in my life and some really freshly squeezed mango juice. Like it was just amazing and i was really glad that he took us there um so if you were if you came in february march that's like right at the very beginning of mango season mango season is like part of my religion in mexico um and that's when i think the mangoes are the best so i'm not surprised that you had a really delicious mango juice and guacamole for that matter because the produce we get, the produce is grown here and eaten here. So, you know, everything's just super, super fresh. And I'm glad you got to kind of go to a little teeny little tiny place like that. That's yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Like, they, they were just like, yo, so what do you want? I mean, luckily, the people that I was with, they spoke Spanish. I speak Spanglish. Like, I speak enough to get by, but not enough to, like, sound like I, I'm, I'm intelligent, not enough to have a coherent conversation. But I was with two, I was with one person who's actually Mexican and another person who's, who's from Honduras. And then my friend whose birthday it was, um, she speaks Spanish too. So like, I, I, I didn't have to ever like feel uncomfortable um, when we were ordering, but they are basically like, yo, what do you want? Like, we're gonna make it here on the spot. They were recommending things to us. So it, it was a nice, like very homely kind of environment, especially because I was with Spanish speakers. Um, but they, they hooked us up and yes, like I, it was nice to be able to see them make the food fresh. Like it's one of those spots where you just like, where everybody knows everybody, they know what they're doing. Like they've been doing this for years. So you could feel, you could taste the, the love and the experience with every bite of guacamole. And I was so happy. Like this was like, yes, finally, this was the one cultural experience that I could get. Even though it's eating guacamole, I'm glad that I could have done it. Um, yeah. No, they, everything is made fresh here. And I, I like, 
the few Americans who have visited me here, they're like, why are we waiting so long for food? I'm like, they do this weird thing here where they cook things fresh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so right, it's, it's like, always like, it's all, it's, it's always a thing of like, we're waiting so long for food. I'm like, yeah, it's not coming from like a factory in a package. <laughs> Someone's cutting your tomato right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did it well. And, and I feel like the only funny thing about the experience was that the way I could tell that it was a local spot is because when we had to go to the bathroom. So I, I feel like at this point in time, we were still conscious enough about Corona to like want to wash our hands before we eat. And so we, we decided to go to the bathroom before everything started, before we like sat down and, and got settled. And so when we went to go to the bathroom, it was like not a game at this place. Like you go in and there's this turnstile. When I say turnstile, I'm talking like New York subway style turnstile. So from floor to ceiling turnstile to get in just to use the bathroom and you have to pay five pesos which again isn't a lot but if a bus if taking the bus is only one peso that just shows you where their values are because <laughs> it's like one peso for the bus five pesos to use the bathroom but you have to pay five turns uh five pesos to go through this little turnstile like you have to insert it into a coin machine and there's a bathroom attendant there and the bathroom attendant gives you your ration of toilet paper and gives you your ration of hand soap to wash your hands. So, and she was so vigilant. Like she thought my friend didn't pay the five pesos and she tried to push her back out of the bathroom. We were like, no, she paid. And like, again, my friend speaks Spanish so she could de-escalate it, but they were not playing any games with their bathroom. Like you come in, you pay, you get your toilet paper and you go and that's it. I guess I forgot how weird that is, but yeah, that's pretty common. That situation is, it wasn't just you or anything. Um, I mean, you know, the ladies can be friendlier than that, (laughs) but um, yeah, you pay. It's not everywhere, but it's common. It is common. Um, Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not, like, obviously in the hotel zone, they don't do that because you've probably already paid your fee to get in through some other way. But and also that because I feel like that's not a lot a thing that many tourists go through, they probably don't want to to have that infrastructure set up. But like that, that's how I kind of felt like, OK, this place is different. Like they're doing what they actually do here. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a little more of a, a Mexican authentic experience. But yeah, I forgot how weird the bathroom thing was. <laughs> I'm used to it. But uh, yeah, that's something I had to learn. Like you have to actually keep your coins here. Like coins are useful in Mexico, like paying for the bus or paying for a bathroom or, you know, like I had to be like, all right, you have to hold on to your coins. Like it's annoying. I hear them jingle. I get annoyed. But yeah, coins, coins come in handy in Mexico. Don't just leave them at the counter. Yeah, no, you you need them for sure. But yeah, I love your your tip about taking the bus. And I love how easy that there's only two buses because like you did mention, Uber, at least right now, is still not legal in Quintana Roo State. Like I can use Uber next door in Yucatan State, but the taxis have a huge, huge uh, monopoly on that industry and a lot of political influence. I would say Uber in Uber's still illegal in like 25% of the states of Mexico, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah I mean I I see it I, I feel it and I was just not aware because when I feel like I did minimal research or like I opened the uber app 
when I was in America and like tried to take it in Mexico and I felt like, oh, okay, I can take this. And then I got there and I realized that, no, that's not the case at all. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. You can in um, a lot of places. Yeah. And so, yeah, just for sure not in Cancun, but it's okay because the bus is your, you're definitely your best option. Like your bus will take you everywhere that you, the bus will take you everywhere that you need to go. And you don't even really need to know too much. Um, Cause that's one thing that I think in just in general, I'm always kind of afraid to take the bus, not because of, I, mainly just because there's so many bus routes. And if you're yeah. not familiar with the route, you do, you really won't know where to go. But I, you don't need to have that level of knowledge in Cancun because it's either you're heading north or you're heading south. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone really necessarily has like a problem with the bus. It's more just like you just don't want to deal with the possible headache of being lost. Yes. And all that. But yeah, I didn't know there were only two buses like that. That makes it pretty, pretty easy. Um, so yeah, really good tip the taxis like they there are so many taxes like with the taxi like anyway yeah and it's a flat rate you can't negotiate like because of what they've negotiated or the whatever rates they've negotiated with the hotels or whomever in that district it's a flat fee so you're paying like you're in the car for 10 minutes you're probably gonna end up paying like 20 dollars. all right so so far, we have established Cancun is a nice place to go to lay on a beach yes. and drink your free drinks. So tell me really quick about the nightlife in Cancun, because if you're maybe if you're not coming with kids or, you know, like grandmas or something like that, and you don't just want to stay at the hotel, you're you're probably coming to party in Cancun. It's it's a known party town. So tell yeah. me about your experience with Cancun nightlife? Yeah, so I didn't have much of one because um, I'm I'm a grandma now, y'all. Like, I just, I get tired. Uh, I, just, I just don't like the club experience like that, especially, I, I'm not saying all clubs are like this, but you always get, you always run the risk of like being groped or touched inappropriately. And so I, I, I'm not saying Cancun is like this, so please don't conflate these two statements. I'm just saying that if I would have rather just stay in my hotel room, like at that time, I think Love is Blind was on popular on Netflix. So I was just like, I just want to go back and watch that show and see who ends up getting married. <laughs> so I didn't really party. Um, I mean, me and my friends, we did go out one night and we went to like a local outdoor bar and um, just drank and, and kind of chilled. And we ended up going back. So there's this restaurant. The, I went to the same restaurant pretty much every day because the food was bomb and I had um, um, I had a discount. So I kept going back. So we ended up going there and they had a local band came and played music. And so that was, that was probably the extent of my nightlife. But being out in Cancun, I mean, they have advertisements for like Coco Bongo and Senior Frogs and just a bunch of places where they party because they party like well into the night and for anyone who's kind of like semi-familiar with Cancun I feel like you've heard that it's a really big spring break uh, destination so I know you can go there you can party and have a good time I don't know if there, there's a couple of beach clubs so you can also party on the beach or like semi-close to the beach um, but you, just, you may just have to pay a fee to get in or work with a promoter who's going to get you a deal to get into these clubs. But they're, they're, I mean, they're mega clubs. So you'll go in and just be surrounded by people. Again, not, that wasn't the experience that I wanted. And I feel like 
because of the way Cancun is marketed, partying is probably essential and core to the experience, but that it, it, I didn't want to do that. And so I feel like that's another reason why I just really didn't enjoy going because if you're, if your biggest draw for your city is partying, then I'm probably not going to, to like it just cause like where I live in the DC area. So like, I, I know where I like to go party. I know I can find the things that I'm interested in and not saying that other places aren't, are have better parties. Like I'm sure there's areas of the world where they party a lot more. I just know that I like what I get here and I know that I like, I can find what I want. So partying has never been a draw for me for a tourist destination or for the t- destinations that I travel to. But when you when you went to your little smaller bar, like, I mean, you kind of saw the, the the neon lights and and the whole the whole area. Yeah, I saw the area, walked around it. There's people coming, and then like you have street dancers, so there are people who would do who are like break dancing on the street, and it, it got pretty lively. So it's it's interesting if you want to watch it. Cool. And I never went to any of these clubs, um, but. So I lived in Playa del Carmen for two months, which is an hour south, and they kind of call it the little Cancun. Um, and I, I remember being approached to go into Coco Bongo, and then there's another really big club, which is in, which is in Cancun and Playa del Carmen. But it was like 75 bucks or, to get in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't follow you with that. <laughs> I don't follow that numbering. Um, but, but yeah, there, that's like to get in. I didn't understand, but I guess they do like shows, you know, it's, it's over the top. It's more than just, I guess, going to a bar. It's a whole experience and, you know, but yeah, I think like, I don't, for me, that was sticker shock. I I don't, I don't know if that is for other people visiting, but no, that is, that's, that's tax. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't ever ask to see what the prices were like in Cancun, but I'm sure they're probably similar. I mean, I was going right before spring break, so it was probably not as expensive as it would have been a couple of weeks later, but I, I believe $75, like, yes, please, I don't recommend paying that much to get into the club ever, but I'm not, I would not be surprised if that's what they were charging in Cancun. Um. All right. So I think we covered a lot of Cancun ground. So tell me in the end, would you ever go back to Cancun again? So I, ooh, well, I would go back to Mexico again. <laughs> I don't think I would go back to Cancun again, just because like I said, I'm not into partying. And I think I've heard much better things about Tulum and Playa del Carmen and even Mexico City, I think I would get more of the experiences that I'm looking for there. Um, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't go back to Cancun if I didn't have to, or if there was <laughs> something else going on. I love that if I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I will hook you up with some Mexico itineraries in the, the Instagram DM conversation we're having. <laughs> thank you. That would be <laughs> But yes, Mexico City is a must. So if nothing else, you can come back and go to Mexico City. It's just, uh, it might be like an hour longer of a flight, but I'm sure you can get like, there's probably 20 flights a day out of DC coming to Mexico City. So it's also just as convenient. Yeah, uh, I would not mind that at all. Oh, one thing I did forget to mention was that one, one fact that I found pretty interesting about Mexico is that all of the beaches are publicly owned. Like they're 
owned by the government, right? Yeah. Or, that? Or, yeah. Or by the people, but well, it, you know, there's a fine line there, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I would just keep that in mind as you're visiting. Um, like the beaches are pretty nice. I think in Cancun, it that, that's the other issue. It's harder to find the public beaches. Like there's there's one or two alleyways, not alleyways, but you have to go in between resorts and hotels to get to the public beaches. They are, the water's gorgeous because again, it's the Caribbean. So like just whatever you've seen probably about the Caribbean also holds true for Cancun and the, the water is fairly clean. Um, but also, again, just remember that all the beaches are public so even though resorts are private land they technically don't own the beaches that are in front of their resort so I'm not saying you can just walk through the front and demand <laughs> to get into a beach at a resort but like if you happen to be walking on a public beach and then you end up on the private you know resort side technically they can't really tell you that you can't be on the beach I mean they'll try to but I feel like legally they can't but again again like i don't know if that would be the best time to have an you know to demonstrate some american entitlement and try to like fight for your right i don't think that would be the best time to do it no but, but you can do that like there are a couple access points um tulum is also pretty big about this you have to pay the the clubs to but you're paying you use their chairs and their umbrellas and their hammocks and you're paying for you know like waiter service for food and for drinking but you can go like on the sand and you can, like if you start somewhere and then you walk, you, like, yeah, they can't say anything to you, but it's more like when you're actually on the resort property, which again, there's a small line between where like earth ends and like Hilton begins. But um, yeah, they really can't say anything to you if you just bring your towel and your, I don't know, whatever your beach needs are. But yeah, you can't go like use their chairs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so if you, I mean, if you like to finesse, then I would consider that, but <laughs> it's it, it all depends on and how you feel um, and what you're doing. And then I think my just last piece of advice to travelers, and I like to give this advice to everyone, is to just be considerate of where you're going and like how you're behaving while you're there. Because even though like Cancun is a tourist destination. It is somebody else's home. And before it was a tourist destination, it was somebody else's home. So always like travel with intention and try to be kind. Um, I think the only, uh, the only thing that I was triggered by when I went was just like the American entitlement and just like this concept of like Americans feeling like they own the place. Um, that was very difficult to deal with. Um, especially because I feel like a lot of the people who go or the ones who end up going for spring break are the same ones who make negative comments about, about Mexico just in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I could not agree more with that sentiment as someone who has chosen to move to Mexico permanently. You know, it's like, I navigate this minefield all the time. It's like, you know you shouldn't come here when you just said 25 negative things over the last year about this entire country. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, it happens. I don't know. There's all kinds of different ways to travel, but I just love what you said about being, you know, more conscious, more aware, more intentional, uh, kinder, kindness costs nothing, um, all of the above. But 
yeah, thank you for uh, being willing to be like super real and put out a blog that is, you know, like painting Cancun a lot more accurately than, than I've ever seen it painted before. So I applaud you for doing that and thank you for doing it. And I'm going to link the blog in, in uh, the show notes so people can go find it and then they can find your whole blog. But if people want to connect with you on the socials, where would they do that? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but not really. Um, and Pinterest. So my name, it's all the same. Like my handle is just my name. So it's na underscore a day underscore Monte. So it's spelled N-A-A underscore A-D-E-I underscore Monte, M-A-N-T-E. Um, and I, I post pretty much, you know, content just about my travels on all those platforms. So feel free to check it out. And then you can also find my blog. It's The Pursuit of Flyness. So it's, it's called The Pursuit of Flyness, but the website is thepursuitofflyness.com. What is your TikTok? Are you still doing TikToks? Oh, true. Yes, I'm still doing TikToks. And my TikTok handle is the same. So my Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok handle is just my name with underscores. I love when people keep it simple like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, I think we shed a lot of light on Cancun, the other side of Cancun. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this episode of Dream to Destination. And I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to Nade. She's eloquent and thoughtful and a million other pleasant adjectives. Oh, thank so you. Oh, so until next time, chicas, nos vemos. That means see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. That's our episode for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I sincerely hope that you're starting to see just how achievable your solo travel dreams are. If this episode resonated with you, and you know other women it will resonate with, please share it with them. Let's grow a supportive community of both aspiring solo female travelers and solo travel veterans so we can learn from, and more importantly, empower one another. Ready to join the community? Head to our private Facebook group called Dream to Destination and let's chat. If you're also curious about my solo travel adventures in Mexico, then you'll want to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Mexico Solo for both. On the socials, I share all of my colorful Mexico photos, my destination recommendations, and links to my related Mexico travel blog posts each and every day. All the social media pages I just mentioned are linked in the show notes. Thank you once again for being here. I appreciate it so much that you're supporting the Dream to Destination podcast. But as a brand spanking new podcast, I will ask you to please, please, please help me spread the word. How can you help with that? It's super easy. Hit subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. By doing those quick four things, you're going to be helping other women find us and go on to achieve their solo travel dreams as well. Until next time, dream on.